Welcome to the Fear to Fortitude podcast. I'm your host, Coach Latavia Renee, the Fortitude Coach. Today, I have special guest with me, Jimmy Johnson. I'll allow Jimmy to give a quick introduction, and then we will get started. Jimmy? Hi, Latavia. Uh, my name is Jimmy Johnson, and currently retired and traveling around the country in a small RV with my wife, Sarah, and just enjoying the great outdoors and seeing this uh, beautiful country that we live in. That's really awesome. Being that this is the Fear to Fortitude podcast, I want to ask you first what your definition is of fortitude and of courage. Off the top of my head, I would say fortitude is really the ability to persevere in the face of hardship, whatever I define as hardship or being fearful, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Where did that show up in your journey? Like you just mentioned, like you and Sarah traveling the country in your RV. So where did that show up in your journey to getting to that point? Uh, well, it continues to rear its ugly head, actually. Initially, the fear was just the unknown. We had never done this before. We'd never owned a recreational vehicle um, like we have now. And so the learning curve has really been vertical. So for us, it was just saying, all right, this thing has a manual. Uh, if something doesn't work, we can, we can look at the pictures and read the instructions and figure <laughs> it out. But those things just continue to arise. As they do, we, we look at it, we lean on each other, and then we figure it out. Awesome. What sparked you to start your journey into becoming who you are today? Ooh, that's a very broad question. Um, yeah. I think the the desire for travel and to see not just the United States, but the world really started when I was a lot younger. I can remember watching public television with my mom and we really enjoyed shows like um, now this is back in the 80s. Right. I mean, uh -huh. I was six, seven, eight years old, uh -huh. um, a show called Great Chefs of the West. And they would travel all around, not just the United States, but predominantly Western Europe. Um, and I remember just being fascinated by these cities like, you know, Madrid and Barcelona and, you know, Paris and so on and seeing these places and really just being captivated by, ooh, I really want to experience that. And so I think that's where it began for me. Right. And I, what I really love about that is, like you said, that's something that started back in the 80s and mm -hmm. it still it, it still showed up in your life. Like you didn't let that go and just not do it. So, you know, all these years later, you're actually living out the thing that came to you even when you were eight years old. That to me is my definition of success. Like when I had this dream when I was a kid and then mm -hmm. I get to live that dream, a lot of people, they let go of that dream or they feel like they outgrew that dream or it's not something that adults do or it's not realistic. But that was a dream that you had and you're living it out today. So bravo, I, I have to celebrate that. How have you leveraged your fears in creating this life that you desire? Like you don't strike me as the kind of person that just, you know, life just happened to you. You seem very forward in, in planning and bringing the life to you that you actually want to experience. So how have you leveraged your fears in making that happen? Yeah, really good question. I think even from a really young age, it was a motivator. And it started being motivated from a sense of lack, actually, and really uh, not being sure that I was ever going to be able to travel to those places and eat in those restaurants and do those types of things. Right. And so really overcoming that over time and using it as a motivator when I got into my work life to be able to afford to go and even go with my friends or with my friends and their families when they would go on vacations or camping and things like that. And so for me, it was really derived from a sense of lack, which is ultimately not super positive because right. there was the right, there was a deeper unbelief in myself that I was even worthy of experiencing those experiences and going to those places. And then as I got older, it just became stronger and stronger that I, I so wanted to travel and I so wanted to go experience these places. 
and do these things. And so for me, it ended up being extremely motivational mm -hmm. in my work life to be able to get into actually a career in insurance where depending on my performance, right, I could qualify to go on these trips. So then I wasn't even having to pay for them. Someone else would send me on these trips. Right. And so that was, that was really the primary motivator for me was help as many people as I can with the services and products that we offered in that career. Mm -hmm. And that would allow me to go and do those things that I had always dreamed about. And so that's kind of how I leveraged it. Right. And I love the way you frame that. So the career was a tool mm. to help you get to that place, that life experience that you wanted. So yeah. in my mind, having that type of mindset when I get up to go to work changes the whole dynamic of what working even is and what it's about. So, you know, it just it drives everything. So it wasn't like about money or even necessarily about success. It was like, this is a tool that can help me travel the world and see the places that I'd love to see. I had a guest on by the name of Larry Hooks, and he talked about why your why needs to be greater than your will, because mm -hmm. your will can be broken. And when your will is broken, the why will carry you. And to me, it, it sounds very much like that's what you lived out. Like, even if there was a tough day at work, your why was so much bigger than what your wheel may have been. And it seems like that would be something that could carry you and say, okay, I'm doing this and I'm doing it well because it affords me the ability to have the outcome that I want to be able to travel. And hey, if you're traveling and the company is paying for it and it's something that you enjoy in places that you're enjoying going, that's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, I, and I can't say that it was always that clear, right? Because right. there were times where absolutely i lost sight of my why right when i didn't think i was performing at the level i wanted to perform and so on but you know it is always there and the recognition that eventually i can if i put in the time in this career i know that i can be doing x in mm -hmm. 10 or 11 years and so ultimately that was always playing in the background there was a bigger thing happening because I didn't want to work till I was 65 or 70 or 75 mm -hmm. years old. I wanted to be done at 45. And so there was the ability, it was available, right? It, mm -hmm. it wasn't guaranteed, but it was available. And as long as I did the things that continued to put me on track or in place to, to experience that, then I could keep forward momentum. Uh, and also, you know, I took a lot of responsibility on myself to a lot of it was I wanted to do this for my wife, mm -hmm. right? I wanted to be successful. And the way that I would demonstrate that would be, hey, we can retire at X or, hey, we can travel to such and such. And so that was always a big part of it, too, which goes back to, you know, the thing behind the thing that we talked about in our coach training was. Exactly that was a fear-based motivation mm -hmm. because ultimately i believed if i didn't reach that that particular level or provide those trips that somehow i was a failure and so that's the fear that's always having to be overcome right that's running mm -hmm. in the background that my gremlin loves to say hey remember you're not smart enough there's no way that you're going to make this happen because you're just not good enough to get it done and so really, it's been a consistent looking at that and then asking the question of, well, how true is that really? Right. And then, right, going to work the next day and, and keeping that why out in front, like you said. So you are talking about like your personal experience. And of course, you and I mm -hmm. met during our coach training. And so mm -hmm. I'm curious as to how you use that to move your clients forward within your coaching practice and you're retired now but you did mm -hmm. have a coaching practice and i'm curious as to how you leveraging your fears and reaching your goals played out in the people that you serve yeah um, a big part of it was simply recognizing that what they were thinking that they were up against or believing they were facing was the same thing i was facing there was there was no difference in the fear 
we could just label it or call it something different. But ultimately, it was all the same. And so really, it was about asking them questions, really in the context of, is this happening to you or for you? Mm -hmm. And it always comes back to everything, I believe, everything that happens is happening for me. Because when I look at it that way, then I have the ability to say, one, I'm not a victim. Mm-hmm. And two, what is this particular situation asking me to look at what I believe about myself? So with, with traveling and dealing with the RV and mechanical issues and so on, anytime one of those things breaks down, so to speak, mm-hmm. immediately I've got to look at what's the belief I have about myself in this situation? Am I smart enough to handle it or do I believe that I'm not? And so that was really ultimately the the point of all my calls with my clients was just simply asking them to look at what is this offering you right now Mm -hmm. and not in form, right? Because the form will always change, but what's it offering you to look at in your mind? Um, And that's really how I used it. That's incredible because it's, it empowers you. Like once you take away that victimhood, then you're able to be more empowered. And even the reframing of something happening to me versus something happening for me, mm. it sounds like it's not a big difference, but it's, it's actually a huge difference. Oh, it it's monumental. All the di- exactly. It makes all the difference as to how you will respond to a circumstance or a situation that you're experiencing. Mm. Well, have been has been your biggest obstacles that you have faced in sharing your message and your genius even when you were when you were coaching or even now as you're experiencing um this new part of your journey well with with the coaching it wasn't about what i brought to the table at all Mm -hmm. um it was really all about the it's client focused as you know right it has nothing to do with me Mm -hmm. um and so Again, I just wanted to ask as, as quote unquote good a questions as I could to allow my client to be comfortable enough to look at what I call looking at the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. It's those false beliefs and all those things that block us from really seeing our true self, capital S self. Right. It always comes back to which voice I'm going to listen to. Am I going to listen to my inner critic? that wants to constantly remind me, hey, play small, be scared, you're not smart enough, or the voice of my capital S self that says, this is happening for you. What is it offering you to look at? And nothing ever goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Nothing ever goes wrong. Dig into that. I want to hear more about that. Well, so in your previous question, Mm-hmm. What we talked about was, is this happening to me to me or for me? Right. So think about it in the context of, let's say you're on the highway and you get into a car accident. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people think, oh man, I can't believe this has happened to me now. Or, oh, look, the damage to my new car. I can't believe these things always happen to me, right? I can't have anything nice or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But if I look at the entire context of that car accident. First of all, how many cars are on the highway at any given time around me? Let's say it's a light day of highway traffic and there's 50 cars around. Mm -hmm. Well, then I have to look at how many things had to transpire to put those 50 cars around me on the highway. And then prior to all those decisions being made, how many other decisions had to be made to eventually get those people to decide to be on the highway at that time. Mm -hmm. So as I look at it in that way, those rings get bigger and bigger and bigger and they ripple all the way back in eternity. And so that car accident had to happen in the way that it happened simply because it couldn't have happened any other way. And so when I look at it in that context, then I can say, oh, what is this offering me to look at now? What is this truly for? And so that is the way that 
I continually to make efforts to look at what is going on. Mm -hmm. And so when the obstacles come up with our travel or maintenance or a leak in the roof, it's okay. Well, let's take it right now. I don't have to project anything from my past onto this, nor do I have to take what's happening and throw it into the future to say, this is predictive of X, Y, or Z in the next three days, because it simply can't be. It's just what's happening now. Right. I love that. And of course, we've, most of us have heard of quote unquote, the power of now. Mm. And there truly is power in that because as you just alluded to, two things happen. One, you don't worry. Like that worry is about that future thing. Like you said, I don't have to project anything into the future. This is the present moment. This is what's happening right now. And two, you're not feeling like regret or guilt in that moment for something that happened in the past. That regret is, you know, looking at the past and that worry is looking at the future. And when you look at the present moment, you can remove those two um, stressors from that present moment. And um, I say often, like, you can't think in panic at the same time. Mm, <laughs> Something that, that I well learned. Said. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Something that I learned when I was uh, working in the ER and I would be, you know, scrubbed in with the doctors and, and I realized I can't think and panic at the same time. I'm yeah, going that's to wonderful. have to choose one. And I feel like, like what you just pointed out, like putting yourself in that present moment is a big part of making sure that you can think versus panic. So yeah, that, that is something that's incredibly relatable and something that I, I have had to learn to uh, live out in, in mm -hmm. the stressful moments of my life. And that, and that never goes away, right? The opportunity right. to practice that never goes away because right. that's, that small voice, that inner critic, it can only operate in the past or in the future. Mm, good point. That's where it stays al alive, right? As soon as it gets me to look back or to look forward, it has totally blocked my vision on what's present. Right. And if I follow that voice, I can never be right here with you in this moment. I've got to go to the, the truth, right? My, my capital S self is the one that's here and now because this moment is it. This is it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And when you're, you know, the, the greatest power you'll ever have is the power in the present moment. I can't do anything in the past. It's already closed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I can't be in tomorrow doing anything tomorrow in this present moment. I can do things in this present moment to benefit tomorrow, but I can't actually physically be in tomorrow doing something. So my greatest power, empowerment for tomorrow and for the future is what I choose to do right now. So I, I love how you're bringing everything into this present moment. That's, and I can actually feel that like you're actually, we're living that out. Like being in this moment right now is full of as much power as we can possibly have. And, and I'm sure too, with in the context of coaching, right? So mm -hmm. thinking back to working with my clients, so much of it was their fear was based in past events or what might happen, right? The what ifs, mm -hmm. which immediately removes them from being on the call, present, mm -hmm. looking in rather than looking out at what they think is, is happening because their perception was skewing what was actually going on. And so being able to ask questions that could bring them back to where we were right then on that call was typically when the most impact was made for them. And you know, when you feel, when you experience that in a call, like that is such a rewarding mm -hmm. moment and a rewarding experience. It's, it's the driving factor of coaching for me. It's the most celebrated moment in coaching for me is right there in that call. And when that client has that aha moment or that breakthrough yeah. uh, and they realize in that moment, how much power is in that moment. Like that to me is the sweet nectar of coaching. <laughs> if sure. you will. It, it's, it's what, it's what I work for. It's what we, it's what we show up for. And when the client experiences that, like it's, it can be, and often it is life altering. 
Um, it, it could be something that exceeds even that present moment, which is more proof of the power of that present moment. Yeah. And again, it's also reflective, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talked earlier about with coaching for me, it was recognizing that what they were going through was what I was going through. It just had right. different names. That's and true. so, so then it's self-fulfilling. So if I can, it, when I experience that my client can have that breakthrough and be ultimately perfectly present mm-hmm. and see th- what is actually happening, then I know that that's available to me also. Right. That's, that's that exhilaration where giving and receiving become the exact same thing. I love that. That, that really, like, I, there are so many layers to that. It's so simple and yet so deep <laughs> at the same time. It made me think about, I'm reading this book by author and public speaker, John Acuff, and it's called Soundtracks. And it's a book okay. uh, on overthinking, which is something it, it, I'm having to repurpose it or I'm getting to repurpose it. It's not mm-hmm. something that just goes away. Like our beautiful brains, it's what they do. So I'm learning to bring that into a more empowering um, position in my life. And you just reminded me of two things that he says on that. Earlier, you mentioned something that made me think of one of the 10 things that he has you say every day to yourself. And one of them is everything is always working out for me. So when you said, you know, nothing goes wrong, you know, what is this present moment offering me? Um, Mm -hmm. That's what came to mind. Like everything is always working out for me. Like that's a fact. It's something that, you know, the more I say it, the more I subconsciously find proof of it. And the other one, oh, shucks, I forgot. There was two. (laughs) It'll come to you. It will. There was two. But anyway, gosh, I wish I could remember. Anyway, if it comes to me, I'll bring it up. Uh, Oh, that's what it was. See, it came back to me. So you were saying, like, when you get to see that client have that moment, that aha moment, you realize, hey, that's available to me too. And then one of the other things that he has you say is that when my clients win, I win too. Mm-hmm. So you pointed out earlier, which is so empowering, that it's really not about me, it's about the client. So when you show up for that client and you give your all for that client's breakthrough, when they have that breakthrough, there's reciprocity, right? Like it comes back to you. And so then you get to have your own breakthrough as well. And then that's something that can be celebrated over and over again. So those are the two things in your wisdom. Like you're, you're all in my backyard here. (laughs) Well, yeah. And there, there's never any difference, right? Right. We, we have such a hard time consistently believing in specialness and being unique and all of those things. But it's such a tremendous trap because if I believe that I am truly separate and special, right, then I have to perform all these other criteria to maintain that level of specialness, which all of those characteristics are going to implement separation between me and everyone else. Well, if that's the mindset that I'm in, I can't ever possibly be present. Because I'm too busy fulfilling all these characteristics that give me my specialness. Well, when I'm on that call with that client, or I'm just having a conversation with anyone, when I offer them my presence Mm -hmm. and fully present, then subconsciously, we we pick up on that from each other Mm -hmm. because it's what I believe we all desire. We don't want to be separate and and apart. We want to be one because it's our true nature, which is what I believe. And so as soon as I offer that mm-hmm. and the client receives that, then they're free to drop their specialness and all that work and effort they've got to put into maintaining it. And then we can be together. And that's when that, that aha comes. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's so much wisdom in that. And like you said, the way that I'm hearing that is like you're removing the striving from it. Like there's no need to strive for it. You're able to just be in that moment. And then when you are able to connect, when you're both able to be, then that's that's where a lot of the power in that moment comes from. Like you don't Mm -hmm. have to work for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just something that naturally happens. 
because that's the way that we were created to be. It's the thing like, and I do agree with you, like we do desire that connection. We were created for that connection. Uh, we were created to be able to come together and be one in that spirit of, um, I'm going to say in that spirit of connectivity, there's another word that's mm -hmm. better that's not coming to me right now, but that gets the point across. Sure. Um, that naturally that that moment does what it's naturally able to do. It's something that can happen in its own power if we allow it. Yeah, and the allowing, you know, that allowing comes from what we talked about earlier is if I'm dragging all this previous experience and belief and judgments from the past with me, then I can never meet you where you are right now. Mm -hmm. Because then I'm placing all of my judgments about your specialness and your uniqueness and how we're different and how you're better at this and I'm better at that. Mm -hmm. There's no way I can ever be present because I'm dealing consistently dealing with the past. Right. If I'm here right now, then I'm just here right now. Right. I love that. Cause to me, what's that, what that says is I'm not performing. Then I just, I get to just be. And the other, the other frame of mind makes me have to perform. It makes me mm -hmm. have to prove that I'm something. And rather than just being who I am and letting that happen on its own. Yeah, the performance naturally indicates that you're now being a particular character, right? It's mm -hmm. a performance which removes you from being who you truly are. It's, okay. a, it's a persona or a mask. And that's why it's... That's why it creates so much strife internally is deep down, we know that I'm not being authentic when mm -hmm. I approach someone in that way. And it's, it's miserable yeah, because our natural self is, it's just here. It's, it's purely happy. And so, yeah, that, that present moment is everything. Right. Uh, I can't tell you how much I'm absolutely enjoying this present moment. And I say this often, and it's because um, I'm blessed with so many wonderful people in my life. And I get to say this often, and I, and I get to say it with sincerity. I can feel that you have brought your complete self to this present moment. And I thrive in that and off of that. So thank you so much for bringing that, for bringing all of you into this present moment and being present here with me and uh with our listeners with us here in this moment that yeah that is that is translating throughout this conversation in a very powerful way you're welcome thank you so i'm curious to know what your favorite quote is about fear it's got to be feel the fear and do it anyway right because it's it's just not real right it's the uh it's the acronym false evidence appearing real mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah. it's always offering me the opportunity to ask what is this for i love that and it it makes me think about as someone who is overcoming overthinking or repurposing uh, my amazing ability to overthink <laughs> um it makes me think about how i can be incredibly creative and mm -hmm. coming up with um, how something could be really horrible or really hard or really difficult or whatever. And then when the thing takes place, it's not really nearly as bad sure. or as intense as I had imagined it. And sometimes it is like, sometimes I'll have a fear and that greatest fear will come to pass. And you know what I'll discover is I, it didn't kill me. Like I still survived it. <laughs> and I'm stronger for it. Right. So, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, most people's greatest fears don't come to pass. And sometimes, you know, within myself, I'm thinking, no, mine did come to pass. Mm -hmm. but look at me. I'm here. I'm present. It did not kill me. It made me stronger. It taught me something. It brought me to a new realization uh, within myself, within my practice within my life. It's not so much that the fear doesn't always happen, but it's that the fear or the, the thing that you fear the most is empowering. It's something like you said earlier, it's something that happened for you rather than something mm -hmm. that happened to you. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we both said earlier, hey, that makes all the difference. 
Yeah. I mean, we hear all the time stories about people who um, they'll, they'll have a serious injury or get diagnosed with something. And, and they say, it's the best thing that ever happened to me Mm. because it really, in those instances, what I think happens is they really look at what's this all for? Like, what is this showing me? And I think the fear that we carry, and I, I can speak for myself personally, is our greatest fear is actually looking at what we've buried in our mind. Mm-hmm. It's not the form or the event that occurs. It's what's behind all that, mm-hmm. right? It's that, that deep belief in ourselves that, again, we're, we're disconnected in some way mm-hmm. or we don't belong or how, whatever iteration right we have of that it's really that yeah and what and we use those events to cover up that and say oh look over here at this so i don't have to look at this dark belief that i've got about myself right and that's a really good point in my own experience it's usually not so much the thing that's happening to me it's what i believe that says about me yeah when I believe that it's something disempowering, like that's, that's the thing. Like, um, you know, for instance, if I stuttered over my words a lot in this podcast, and then I believe, man, you know, I'm a really um, poor public speaker, or who am I to think I can host a podcast or who am I to think I could have done that? Sure. Here's the proof sure. that I'm not the one who's yeah. allowed or able to do that. So yeah, you're exactly right. Like it's not so much the thing, it's the thing that I believe <laughs> that it means or that it says about me. Yeah. yeah, we'll seek out all the evidence we need to prove ourselves right mm. instead of looking at what the actual thing is we need to look at. Right. And it's so much yeah. easier to come up with uh, the bad stuff. Oh, it's, like it's available just, everywhere, right? right. It, it's just everywhere. automatic. You, yeah. have to, you have to think about it, put forth some effort and yeah. retrain and reframe things to go, okay, let me look for the positive. But you never have to do that with the negative. It just shows up. <laughs> 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 but I have to say I'm enjoying the journey of reframing and repurposing and, re, and looking at things differently. Mm. Like, oh, it makes the world so incredibly um, empowering and amazing to experience. Um, when I'm able to go, okay, hey, now I am intentionally looking for mm-hmm. proof of the new beliefs or what I would rather believe. Like a lot of times, like you said earlier, you know, is this really true? How true is this? And I'll ask another question after I've asked that, like, is this really true? And then I'll ask, what would I rather be true? Like, what do yeah. I want to be true? in this moment and then i can reframe that and start looking to bring that into my experience sure or even when did i a a question that i would that i really used quite a bit with my clients was Mm -hmm. when did you make that true for you Mm -hmm. i love that because it there had to be a decision point Mm-hmm. to create that belief that I then latched onto and then started creating and looking at for evidence for to make true. Yeah. Well, if I can go back to what was the instance that I made that decision about myself? Mm-hmm. Because it's certainly not implicit. It, it had to be a decision. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go find the evidence to support it. And so, yeah, it's when did I decide that getting back to the car accident example, Mm -hmm. that these things always have to happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, what was that moment when I'm like, oh, well, of course, that's what I deserve. And then what belief is that asking me to really look at? Again, it's, it's burrowing into that darkness, right? There's all these veils we put up. Mm -hmm. um, And until we get to that, that core thing way in the back, we'll use, like you said, anything and everything around that's available to to find that proof right yeah and and you know what we don't have to give up that um ability to be able to do that we can just say hey i'm really good at seeking out things to prove what i what i believe and what i think sure so 
choose to believe something that's more empowering for you and naturally allow yourself to look for ways to bring that into your experience look for proof of that and subconsciously it'll learn to do it and then that will be the thing that becomes more natural to you to look for mm -hmm. the good and i've been doing my uh what i call mirror work for the last 10 days and so um like i said earlier one of the things that i say every day to myself while looking myself in the eyes is everything is always working out for me and it. around day seven I started uh -huh. feeling it. And that's when you really get empowered. It's one thing to say it. And you you start, when you first start, you don't feel it. You don't think, uh -huh. you, you'll feel kind of silly saying these things because really truly inside, you don't believe it yet. You keep showing up, you keep saying it, keep looking for proof of it. It starts to naturally feel like, wait a minute, this is true. I'm not saying it. I no longer feel strange saying, everything mm -hmm. is always working out for me was that I'm owning it was that your actual experience in day seven was just a recognition that it was the truth or what was your experience i'm curious it was that it was the truth like i it felt different than the previous days like the previous days i was saying it mm -hmm. um because I made a promise to myself i'm going to show up every day and i'm going to say this and i would look into my eyes and i would say it and I would feel a little weird. And I would, and like I said earlier, we've been saying like it, that proof against it or the proof for the negative is so easy to come by. Sure. So when I would say it to myself in the mirror, my brain would like just pop up 10 things that negate that. Like well, you're saying <laughs> that but this happened right. and that happened. Don't you remember this and that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's amazing how quick it can come up with these for things, sure. right? But on day seven, and I don't know if there's any significance in the number of days. I, you know, I imagine it can be different for everyone. Right. But for whatever reason, on day seven, when I said it, it's when I noticed that there was a powerful silence. My brain did not offer wow. me the reasons why that was not true. It did, that, did not say it. And I that, began to oh, feel Oh, yeah. It. That's so awesome. So it it's in line with everything we've been talking about as soon mm -hmm. as you made that statement about your true self mm -hmm. your inner critic or your ego wanted to go to the past yep and bring up all the reasons about things that had happened in the past that could prove what you were saying was wrong mm -hmm. or it may have even provided you some projections to the future on oh man but you have this fear about this coming up or whatever it was trying to rob you of that present moment and you were present mm -hmm. it yo that's so cool yeah so cool uh, i love the way you just put that it tried to rob me of the present moment but you it bet because i was present and you're right yeah oh, that just hit me because i said like there was the silence and the reason why there was this silence is because my brain didn't pull up anything from my past and it didn't project anything onto my future in any negative sense I was able to be in that present moment and begin to own that as my truth, like capital T, mm -hmm. truth. I usually say the facts are not the truth. And one of the best examples that I can give of that is um, I tell people often that your bank account may be empty. That may be a fact, but that does not mean that it's true that you are poor. Indeed. So there's a difference there. Like uh, I know, and you know, even our coaching program, it's taught as little T, big T. But for me, even prior to that, I've always said that the facts are not necessarily the truth. And so, you know, my brain was pulling up things before then that were facts. They're things that happened, mm -hmm. but they did not represent the truth about me. The truth about me is that everything is always working out for me. Yeah, Diana Ross. I think it's Diana Ross. The situation you live in doesn't have to live in you. Huh. Oh, I love that. Indeed. Yeah. That's, that's, hey, that's worth its weight in gold right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, in your opinion, what is the best approach to outliving the limitations of your fear? Hmm. It's, you have to go in that direction. It's, um, mm. it's, Mm, the the quote will come to me. The only way out is through. 
Ah, uh-huh. So whatever that, again, it's, it's perception. Whatever yeah. that perceived limitation is, right? That's the thing we, we think, we say we're scared of. Mm -hmm. But what that situation is really offering is an opportunity to dispel the core belief that's behind it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah, the only way out is through. I love that. Mm -hmm. What's been your biggest benefit from doing that in your life, from going in the direction of your fears, from going through? What has been the biggest benefit that you've gained? Yeah, I'm sitting here right now, retired. And in tomorrow will be one year that Sarah and I have been traveling, living full time on the road. That's amazing. I love that. Um, and, you know, just to tell listeners, like I was blessed with a wonderful visit recently from Jimmy and Sarah while they were uh, world trekking. <laughs> I just sent them a list. I was like, hey, if you're ever in my area, please <laughs> stop by. And so we had two wonderful days together, had a really good time. Right, right. <laughs> Which was quite but yeah. That's this is it. It's you know, it's it's sitting here like you said earlier, and I was thinking about this the other morning. You know, having coffee, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing what I've always wanted to do, mm -hmm. and no matter, yeah. The look, I come came from a single parent family, alcoholic mm -hmm. dad, drug mm -hmm. addict brother. You know, all those, again, all those things that the world will tell you will consistently create barriers for your life that will never allow you to be anything other than that. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, Diana Ross says, the situation I live in didn't have to live in me. I love that. So I'm curious as to when the moment hit you in, in where you were able to go, look at this. I have created what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing it in this present moment. Mm -hmm. Like when did that hit you or what was it like when that hit you? It's it consistently has happened, particularly over the last year. Certainly the the morning that we left, June 15th of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we we woke up in an empty house cuz we had sold everything and put our keepsakes away and we had renters coming in and we hopped in that vehicle and we were off and you know, it's, it's really emotional um, mm -hmm. because that's, that's when I was able to recognize that all of the evidence that I had used in the past to say that this was never possible, wasn't ever true. Mm. It was never the truth. And so, yeah, it, it comes at random times. Um, like I said, the other morning it, just dawned on me that, hey, we're doing exactly what we want to do. And so it that continues to happen because, as you said, that voice never stops. Yeah. Right. It's it's always trying to to make inroads into my present moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I've trained myself really well to listen to it. Right. I've had 48 <laughs> years of of given that given that voice all the all the sustenance it needs right. to keep going. And so it's, it's adamant about getting in the way, but right. yeah, it's, it's at random times. Sometimes it's when we're not doing anything at all. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's on a hike. Sometimes it's out having dinner with family or, or a friend that we're visiting and, mm -hmm. you know, just recognizing and realizing this is why we're doing this. I love how you bring up that it, it happens over and over again. Mm. Over and over again, you hit, it hits you and you're like, whoa, like I'm really doing this. And then to realize it was never true that this was not meant for me or that it was only meant for other people. It was never true. We tend to wait for the present moment to prove it to us. But it was true long before you arrived at that present moment. Mm hmm. And if you can, if you can realize that your true self, the, the truth of who you are defies all of the present facts, you can rise above those things and be more empowered to live out that journey, to live out that life that you want to live, to realize yeah. that those, those things that you 
that you your gremlin if you will tells you and all of these limiting beliefs and they were never true so I, i'm sitting here with that because i'm i'm allowing that to to work on me in this present moment because yeah. i'm in the middle of a journey right now and i'm i'm experiencing so much joy like right now realizing that any doubt that i ever had about it or even that I hold in this present moment just absolutely mm -hmm. is not true. And I'm, I don't have to wait until I'm in that moment to realize I'm realizing it. Like I'm feeling it like in this present moment, I'm realizing that it, that my limiting beliefs about it are not true in the, and the truth of who I am, that's the only truth there is. And goodness, yeah, I'm just letting that work on me right now. You know how we yeah. used to always say, hey, there's so much that happens in the silence. Sure. And there's this beautiful silence that's with me right now. It's moving me. Like this is gonna be with me all day today. I'm I'm already excited <laughs> and and loving what I'm feeling happen happen right now in this present moment. Well, you're you're certainly right. You're living your dream just like I am. Yeah. This this podcast came to you because, and the, the quote I was trying to think of earlier was mm. the obstacle is the way. Yeah, love that. Yep. It's it's there for and and the obstacle always comes up mm -hmm. until we choose to address and ask, what's the core belief I have behind this obstacle? Yeah. It will show up in a thousand different forms. Mm but it's always the same core belief. We just want to go find, oh, it's got to be different now because it looks different in this situation. Yeah. But the obstacle was always the same. And it's that core belief we don't want to look at. Yeah. And as soon as I look at it and I ask myself, when did I decide to make this true for me? Then I can get rid of it. Yeah. And, and that everything starts to open up from there. I love that. And it made me think about how you said earlier, like that you call it like looking into that darkness. Mm. Um, there's so much power in that. And even, you know, most of us have had the experience when we were a child being afraid of the dark. And as soon as someone turns on the light, you realize there was nothing there that needed to be feared. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is so much power in looking into that thing that we're afraid to look at. Like, what is it truly? Like you said, it never changes. It's that same thing behind, it's that thing behind the thing and it never changes. Mm -hmm. And usually it really is that thing that we fear looking at the most. But if you will look at it and shine light on it, like you said, you can, you can overcome that. Then you can deal with it. You can overcome it. Then instead of it being something that blocks you, that shows up to give you all this proof against your growth, it empowers you and becomes the very proof of the fact of your growth it's inevitable that you're gonna make it to where you want to be like you said the obstacle is the way it, it is the way man that's like that just i'm loving that <laughs> the obstacle is the way it's not the reason to stop it's the reason mm -hmm. to keep going mm -hmm. oh, i love that i'm really just loving enjoying basking in in your wisdom here in this present moment what would be your advice to listeners who are listening to us and they're still afraid to step out of their comfort zone still listening to those quote-unquote facts from the ego mm -hmm. what would you say to them in this present moment i would say don't be so concerned about stepping out Mm -hmm. what you've got to do is look in i love that because that's where that's where the answer is that's good it, yeah it doesn't have anything to do with what's happening outside of me because the world will give me every opportunity to distract myself mm -hmm. but i've got to look in because that's where it's yeah that's where it's dark and that's where that belief is is just hiding and I gotta, I gotta go switch on the light. Ah, love that. Everything that you need is within. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm letting that sit with me for a minute. <laughs> love that. Yeah. So 
when you had your coaching practice, what was the biggest benefit that you observed in your clients through working with you? What was the most common outcome that they experienced that would move them forward in an area that they were stuck? Yeah, I would say it, it goes back to their, their realization that they were projecting onto the situation what they wanted to see. Got it. And getting them, the biggest aha came from them recognizing that they were the ones doing the projecting. Yeah. <laughs> they were the, the movie reel. Mm -hmm. And the light was coming from in them through that film and getting projected out, which ultimately put them as the right, as the controller of what they were seeing. Right. And as soon as they could see that, then the obvious next step is, well, then I just have to change the film. Right. Which yeah. ultimately was the belief in what they were seeing. Got it. I love that because, again, that's empowering. That means mm. that I've got the power. I'm not waiting 100%. for it to happen to me. I'm not waiting for someone else to do it. And I've done a podcast in the past. Uh, but before I started this one, it kind of hit me one day. Are you waiting for someone to find you, to, to put you on? We're mm -hmm. living in a time where you can put yourself on. Mm -hmm. um, no other time in history could someone just go out there and say, hey, I'm going to put myself on the airways. I'm going to put myself on like you had to find someone, you know, who could find you, who would, sure. who would who would put you out there. But with things, tools that we have like YouTube and podcasting and those types of things, you don't have to wait for someone else to find you yeah. or put you on. You simply believe in yourself and trust yourself and put yourself on. Like you said a minute ago, that the world will give you all of these opportunities to get distracted. But if you look within, you'll find the power and the truth to live out your calling, your dream, uh, whatever it is that you would like to experience. Yeah, as soon as they could see, even in, even in the smallest way, that there was an action that they could take. Yes. That, that made all the difference and created that momentum right? Even if it was over the course of a number of calls, it right. didn't always happen, right? The, the ideal would be it happens every call. Well, that's not, that's not reality. Yeah. Um, but even small opportunities to take action, see what the result was, talk about what that result was and their experience in taking action, then got us to, so what's the next step you can take? Right. So, yeah. Right. And action is, is such a powerful cure to mm. so many of our limiting beliefs and thoughts. Mm -hmm. It is the antidote. <laughs> I'm curious, and I ask everyone this question, and there is a, a story connected to my late father is the reason why I asked this question. I won't get into it now, but who was your childhood hero? Uh, I'd say my, my oldest brother. Um, okay. he was, a he was a father figure for me. Mm -hmm. There's, there's 10 years between us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I was in grade school, he was in high school and, and so on. And he, um, he was one of my coaches growing up for a number of years mm -hmm. and yeah, just really a, a good example for me, kept his eye on me, you know, uh, particularly in junior high and yeah, it was, it was my oldest brother. That's awesome. Love that. I'm, I got to say it like I've never met your oldest brother, but uh, if any of him is shining through you, he had to be an absolutely amazing person. <laughs> he was. He was. Yeah. He, yeah. He was uh, an absolute blessing. Um, and that's wonderful. He just happened to be around. Right. Yeah. My my oldest sister, who's older than he is, was off, had her own life and yeah. so on. And my other brother was dealing with his own struggles and just didn't feel worthy to be around. And yeah. so, you know, John was there at, at its perfect timing, right? Yeah. It, it was happening for me. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's, I'm, I'm thankful for that. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that all of those things were happening for you. 
uh, resulting in an absolutely uh, wonderful, amazing, present person. And this may be your brother, John, maybe you've already answered this, but who would you like to thank for the impact that they've had on your life? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I have to start with my mother. Yeah. Uh, she's a single mom. You know, my, my father was an alcoholic. And mm -hmm. so she really had not just three kids to deal with at home when I came along, um, but handling and managing living with an alcoholic yeah, and the way that she showed up, um, for me was she always instilled in me one that whether I screwed up royally or I made straight A's, she never lost sight of the truth of who I was. And so I, I know without a doubt that she loved me unconditionally. Um, and that's, mm -hmm by far the greatest gift she ever gave me and it's yeah. the way i want to love and so i have to start with her um yeah. you know she she always had her hand ready to either pat my back or smack my ass right because <laughs> yeah. she because she had to right it was yeah that father figure wasn't there so to speak and so yeah when when it's called tough love but what it is is just love and so she is, she's the one I have to thank. I love that. I have to say, you know, in my adult years, when I look back on things from this perspective, you know, we see things one way as when we're growing up and as a child, and then when we look back on it as adults, sure. we start to see more truth of it. And we start to appreciate more of the struggle or the beauty of the things that the people who loved us dealt with as they were raising us. I'm just thinking like you talked about your mom having to also manage, you know, life with someone who was struggling with a sickness and illness, alcohol, alcoholism. Sure. And so I can only imagine how much pressure and how many other things that was going through her in that experience. And still she showed up to give you that, that unconditional love to, and, and you said that she, you know, always knew your truth. That's so incredibly powerful to have another person be able to look at you and see your truth, especially in the moments when you aren't even aware of it yourself. Yeah. It, it plants the seed. You know, we talk about planting the seed a lot, like it plants the seed. And even though you may not see it at first, life can begin to water that seed and it begins to grow. And then you're able to see your truth as well, that that person was able to see perhaps long before you were able to see it. And, and it's such a great gift to give and to receive. Well, like we talked about before is for me, it's a reflection mm -hmm. because giving and receiving are one. I love that. And Indeed. so she, she always let me know that I could do anything that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. She believed in me absolutely. And so that, that was always present. And for, for someone, quote unquote, in the situation she was in, mm -hmm. single mom, struggling financially, also unconditionally loving my father. Yeah. Despite, right? Despite all of his challenges and core beliefs that was just coming out through the alcoholism, right? That was the cover mm -hmm. he used to not look at the darkness. Right. Mm -hmm. That thread of her belief in me was, was always there and it was reflective, right? Because she also could have done anything she wanted to do, but she had to believe that for herself. And so, yeah, it's giving and receiving are always the same. That's very eye-opening. Giving and receiving are always the same. I love that. I usually ask at this point where people can find you, but you're mm -hmm. all over the place. <laughs> and, and you know, unfortunately, my friend Jimmy here, he and his wife are retired. So you can't work with Jimmy. 
Hopefully I can get him back on the podcast in the future to share more of his wisdom with us. So Jimmy, I would like to thank you so much for being willing to take time out of this part of your journey to uh, reach back and uh, impart some of your wisdom to us. I know that you're not coaching anymore, um, but I'm so thankful that you were willing to, to share this moment with me, to share some of your coaching genius with me, uh, even though you've taken off that hat. From, well, you really, no one ever really takes off that hat. It's, it's, right. it's who we are. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for your time and for your presence in this present moment. I really oh. appreciate that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for the invite. Um, yeah. you, got, uh, you gave me an opportunity to face a, a false core belief about myself. So I'm appreciative of that and that healing. Yay. Well, I'm so glad that this podcast was able to be a part of that healing process. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Fear to Fortitude podcast. If you would like any more information about Fear to Fortitude coaching, please visit feartofortitude.com today.